It's NOLA History Guy podcast for September 15th, 2023. Talking about, talking about New Orleans. We're talking about, 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 talking Welcome to NOLA History Guy podcast for the 15th of September, 2023. Uh, this is an interesting, there's an interesting story as to how uh, this particular episode comes about. And uh, the term is called falling down a rabbit hole. And basically, I sum it up by saying I was looking at a bunch of photos. I found a photo that caught my eye. And then the more I looked at it, the more I found details about that photo uh, as we were going along. So, yeah, I was just coming up with a bunch of stuff that led to other things. And, well, there you go. Hi, I'm Ed Branley. Ed Edward, either way, works for me. I am the NOLA History Guy, at NOLA History Guy on all social media from uh, the artist formerly known as Twitter, to Facebook, to Mastodon, to Blue Sky, to whatever blows up next, you know, that kind of thing. Or nolahistoryguy.com, of course, is the website, so you'll be able to hunt me down and shoot me an email or that kind of Don't Facebook messenger me. I'm getting all kind of spam, and I don't really answer those anymore. So anyway, shout out to Derby on that one because he puts up a real good message about that. So here we go. What we're going to be talking about is 3, 000, the 3,000 block of Gentilly in the 1950s. And it starts with a photo that is about to pop up next. We're going to talk about, we're going to start with talking about the building at 3028 Gentilly Boulevard, uh, which has been around for a long time. <clears throat> and then we'll tell the story of the photo and the stuff that's around this particular photo. We'll talk about the oriental architecture of the building uh, on the uh, on the downtown side, if you will, on the side of, of uh, Gentilly heading towards Dillard. And then we'll talk about Al Shorey's restaurant and it's actually Al Shorey's cafe and bar uh, on the uh, on the left-hand side. And then we'll talk about the, uh, the big shopping center, a big strip center across the street and update what's kind of happened to the, to the buildings over time. So here we go. This is the photo that caught my eye. It's a Frank studios uh, photo, uh, commercial uh, real estate, uh, most likely commissioned. Uh, actually, no, take that back. It was in the, in their citation, the photo uh, Frank studios was a big, photography outlet uh charles frank had had guys right you know they were the they were the go-to photographers for for uh several law firms they were basically nopsy's photographer there was a bus wreck or a streetcar wreck and somebody from frank studios went out and took the pictures and that kind of thing and all of a lot of this is digitized and available in uh a lot of this is digitized and available um uh, on uh online at uh 
uh, from via the Historic New Orleans collection. So I'm going through, and, and of course, this is the Louisiana Digital Library, which is an Island Dora site. Island like island with an ORA on the end. It's a software, it's a software platform for uh, federating sites that have a whole bunch of images and references and stuff. And so I came across the photo that you're seeing on the screen right now. And it's, uh, uh, it, yeah, it kind of looks like nothing really that big a deal, but then I started looking at it. I started looking at the left. Okay. It's a bar room. And I thought it said restaurant and bar at this point, but it turns out it's cafe and bar. But then there's that that alleyway entrance. And so that looked interesting. And then on the right-hand side, that's where I really started falling down the rabbit hole because it's a chinese roof. It's what's called oriental architecture. And uh, there's a story about that in terms of New Orleans. And we'll, we'll get there, right? But that caught my eye as well. So I started digging into the whole thing. And let's start with 3028 here in the middle. It's a two-story building. Uh, you can see on the left-hand side, there is a, uh, on the left-hand side, there is uh, a door. And most likely that door leads to a stairway up to the upstairs apartment. So the upstairs is residential. The downstairs is commercial, is retail. And at the time, it's a uh, it's a store called the Gentilly Supply Center Incorporated. And I'm saying, okay, that's kind of cool. Then the right-hand door with the window, that's going to be the entrance to the retail shop. And I'm starting to look at this again, and I see that there's a sign in the middle of the window, you know, a three-panel uh, picture window uh, in the front there. And that sign says, for rent, ladder and bloom, and a phone number. And I'm saying to myself, well, if there's a for rent sign in there, that pretty much is a sign that the business ain't there no more. But they haven't changed the name yet, which actually makes a whole bunch of sense that uh, Frank Studios, Ladder and Bloom, hired Frank Studios to come take some decent commercial photos of the building in the hopes that the uh, they could then, you know, show those to people, you know, bring the photo portfolio to somebody's office and say, Hey, you know, you, this is, this, this is, a, a, this is good for you. This is a good match, that kind of thing. So yeah, you know, it, it kind of makes sense. On top of the building is a big double billboard. You know, there's just two billboards facing in either direction. Man, the first time I looked at this, I swear I thought I was looking. I thought that said Budweiser. And as I started having to look again, and of course it was on the left. And But then when you look at the right side, then it makes more sense. It says Blue Plate Fine Foods. So it's a Blue Plate billboard on either side. Gentilly Boulevard at this time was a high-traffic commuter area. Because this is this is the fifties. There's no interstate yet. There's no I six. There's no I ten. There's no I six ten. If you lived in Gentilly, you lived in Gentilly Terrace, or uh, you know, you, you lived in Gentilly Terrace. You lived in Gentilly Woods, Pontchartrain Park, or up at Milneyburg. You likely drove like if you lived in Milneyburg, you likely drove down Elysian Fields to Gentilly, 
took a right and then went right past here to go into town. And a couple of blocks down from here, just as you're, you know, basically as you approach Dillard University, there's a big left turn. And so you make the left turn and that connects you with Broad Street. You keep going straight and that takes you further on Gentilly, which takes you down Gentilly Boulevard to the track. And then uh, just past the track, Gentilly merges with Esplanade Avenue and comes to an end there. So that's basically the idea. So, of course, it's logical that put up these big billboards on these buildings because all of these cars are going past you. So that's perfect for advertising and that kind of thing. All right. So we got this appliance store and it's in this high traffic area, big retail area that pops up and develops after World War II. Got this little bar room on one side and you've got this building with the oriental roof on the right-hand side of the photo. So 30, ooh, there's a typo. I, am I going to restart this? No, I'll fix it to print it out. But that's 3028. I can't, can't believe I've practiced this three times and I didn't catch that. 3028 Gentilly, of course, it's the Gent. It starts out life as the Gentilly Appliance Store, later becomes the Gentilly Supply Center. The Su Gentilly Supply Center closes down and goes bankrupt in late 1949 so that they, they liquidate everything in 1950. <clears throat> this photo is a year later in 1951, and it's still not leased out. It's still just sitting there empty but they're making money off that billboard. So that could be part of it too. And then of course it eventually gets leased to other businesses because the building's still there more. Here's an ad for the opening of the Gentilly, the formal opening of the Gentilly Supply Center. And they were originally, again, they were the originally the Gentilly Appliance Store and they sold hardware and paint and that kind of thing. But they kind of expanded out a little bit, reorganized. So what I'm thinking is uh, they probably fell on some rough times uh, during the war because who was nobody, there were no building materials to be had and sold. Now you move into post-war and Gentilly experiences quite the boom. People are, uh, you know, it's like, you know, guys are coming back from the war. Well, women are coming back from the war, too. But they're living, you know, they, they left home at 18 or 19. They were living with their parents. Now they've they've seen some stuff, right? They want to get on with it. So Gentilly is a good place to buy a lot or to buy a house that a contractor's built out and put down your roots. So this commercial area makes perfect sense to open up a hardware store well and then a you know predecessor to home depot and lowe's kind of thing you see they uh hooked up with the hot point brand and they would sell you know whole kitchens the cabinets the appliances the uh, everything else you can see they sold paint and varnish and all the stuff you need to build out your house uh they're still selling the appliances and of course opening day specials and promotions and door prizes for that first day you get the idea it's uh yeah it's a nice little place 
But what it looks like after reading a little bit through the ads and some of the uh, the, the news articles about the location, like I said, the appliance store looks like they reorganized and became the supply center, but even that didn't hold up. And so by the end of 49, they reorganized and opened in 48, and a year later, it's not working. Here's another shot from 49. And again, it's a Frank Studios. It's, uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain they shot this a couple of times, mainly uh, because, you know, to try to promote this building. So this particular photo is a little bit earlier, but you see it's still, Blue Plate still leases the billboard on top. You've got the big electric sign on top, and then you can change the paper depending on what the um, on 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 what the advertiser wanted there, you'll see it's blue plate margarine at this point. So now you see there are the three buildings that we see in the head-on shot, and they are the Alshori's Cafe, uh, which you see the Regal Beer sign on top of that, then thirty twenty-eight and the the store. But it looks like that for lease sign, that for rent sign is in the in the window at this point. So I'm thinking it lay fallow for a little while there. Now we see what sent me down the rabbit hole. And that's the building at 3026 on the right hand side of the photo, the building on the way towards Dillard. It's a pet shop called Petland that moved into a building that had that oriental roofing on top and the owners of the, you know, they, I don't care. I'll, I'll rent the place and open up my pet shop. So they open up Petland. Petland looks like it could be a story in itself. I got to do some more digging, but I was trying to check on the provenance of the building and hit a couple of articles, national, like blog articles. And Petland gets mentioned in like pet shop aficionados and everything. So there's more to that story, but we'll get there. All right. So we've got this, this oriental looking roof on this building. And that immediately tells me something thanks to listening to Winston Ho talk and reading his stuff, that this building most likely was a storefront for Oriental Laundry. And Oriental Laundry was a Chinese laundry business. Now, the main laundry plant where they washed and everything, dried, packaged, ironed everything, was in the French Quarter of all places, in the what was, what was the second Chinatown, it was in a four-story building on Bourbon Street, of all things. Go figure, a big laundry plant on Bourbon Street. And Mr. Tung, who owned Oriental Laundry, basically set up a business structure that would later be used by Mackenzie's pastry shops. And the idea was Tung set up this big laundry plant down in the quarter and then built out little storefronts in neighborhoods across the city. And he took this orientally roof-looking design 
And that's how you could tell where the Chinese laundry was. So you're on your way to work. You make a U-turn and you run in, you drop off your laundry here at the Oriental Laundry. Now, of course, this is before 47, 48. This is during the war and in the 30s. You dropped off your, 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 your bundle of laundry. The Oriental Laundry truck would pick it up, drive it down to Bourbon Street to the big plant. They'd wash and press and fold your, your, your clothes. And then you could pick it up here on the way home at the storefront. And that was a that was a very big deal. It was an interesting business, you know. Um, if you're not familiar with Mr. Winston Ho, Winston is that's H O, by the way. Uh, Winston is the go-to scholar on all things Chinese in New Orleans. As a matter of fact, his blog is researching Chinese history in New Orleans. It's you know, he's good stuff. It was funny. I I took this picture and I cut, you'll see it in a minute. I cropped out, you know, put Petland front and center there and posted it in our Ain't There No More group on Facebook. And my my, my dear friend, Keith Ogeron, came back and he immediately responded back and he says, hey, Winston Ho wrote about this. But the problem is that Winston is picking up these photos from the late 40s and early 50s. So I was kind of hoping... I was kind of hoping I could post it in the group and Winston would go, oh, yeah, I got something from the 30s. But yeah, I haven't seen anything yet. Knock on wood, maybe we'll find something or I'll keep digging because Oriental Laundry is a, is a story in itself. And I need to have I need to have Mr. Ho here on and we can chat about some of the, the, the Chinese research that he does and everything else. Well, anyway, so it's not a laundry storefront at this point. It's the pet shop. It's Petland. But. The building still looks like the Oriental Laundry, and I've confirmed that, that it actually was Oriental Laundry. <clears throat> okay, if you go to the left, you see the bar room, and we'll get into detail on the bar room in a minute. It's Al Shorey's Cafe and Bar, and uh, there's a little bit on that. We'll talk about it in a minute. If you keep going to the left, you see the parking lot of the strip mall on Frenchman Street. And you'll see in the middle there, it's basically, you see the overhang for a gas station. You might see the pumps behind that, that truck. You see the overhang for the gas station and behind that, you'll see a logo and a, a lighted sign that says Cats and Best Off. And that's the Gentilly K&B that was there into the 80s. And, um, and if you follow around, like if you make the turn into the parking lot, You'll see Mackenzie's number one, the first Mackenzie's pastry shop, and chicken in a box and all that stuff over on the side street. But anyway, don't want to go too far off the off the rails here just yet. So this is a the point to all this being this building, 3028 plus the pet shop and the bar are in the middle of a very active and very busy commercial area. And that's the that's that's the point to this, right? Okay, so 3028 has a business that folds up. Likely there's something else coming. Here's the notice of the bankruptcy auction in 1950. So it's Gentilly Supply Center, 
goes formally bankrupt in the summer of 50. And they have the running ads in mid-August for a bankruptcy auction at the store on August 25th, 1950. And you'll see the, the property, they're looking at store fixtures, stock and trade, whatever was left on the sales floor, and a Dodge truck, which might be that truck that was in the picture. I don't know. So so you get the idea, basically. It's a, it's a business that was there, didn't do so well, ends up going closing. The landlord is unable to lease the property for whatever reason for a few years so it stays empty but you've got that big billboard at least bringing in some income for the landlord so by 1952 there's a little bit of change for openers 3028 gentilly has a new tenant and it's called Home Financial Service. And it's a loan slash mortgage company. Now, these private loan and mortgage companies don't have the, the sketchy reputation that payday loan services have in present day. So this was a very typical type place that you could come when you were strapped for cash and borrow money. So Home Financial is no doubt approached by the Ladder and Bloom agent saying, hey, how about you open up shop out here in Gentilly because it's a growth area. And they weren't wrong. Like I said, you got a whole bunch of stuff going on out there. Um, LSU and O isn't there yet for another six years. But Dillard's there. All of the stuff is, you know, growing out. The residential areas from uh, Elysian Fields to Franklin, under the uh, under the Backbelt underpass on Florida Avenue, and then out to the Seminary and uh, out to Louisa Street, and heading out where it becomes Shepenter Highway. So this is a very busy and active area. And the subdivisions are expanding out and growing in a big way. So <clears throat> having a, a loan place might not be a bad idea. Get Christmas shopping money. This is an ad in the Picayune on December 7th, 1954. No security needed. Honor home, the home finance service, home of the honor loans. You didn't have to go through a credit check. You walked in, you filled out the stuff. Uh, no doubt if you didn't pay, some somebody came and started taking stuff from your house to, to, to work that out. But, of course, hopefully you were making just a small loan to get you over through the Christmas holidays in this case, that kind of thing. You'll see this place had a bunch of outlets. And so by 54, we see the outlet in Gentilly. And uh, it's, uh, look at the exchanges. It's BY, uh, what is that, 8-3 or 6-3? It's kind of, I think it's 6-3. BY 6309, Bywater 6309. It's still a six-digit phone number. We haven't even hit seven digits yet 
on those phone numbers, but you get the idea. So the place is a loan shop. It's basically inside would look like a bank branch, you know, desks where you could sit down, a counter where you could get like a deposit slip, a payment slip and make your payment. And of course, at this time, most likely the people making these these loans don't have a checking account. So they're paying in a lot of cash. And one of the things when I was looking through to get more of a story on this company, I started looking around. And one of the things I found is this location got robbed a number of times. And this was, uh, frankly, it, it was, the, you know, usually it was just a little police, you know, masked hooded guy robs the, the, the home finance. But this one had a photo <clears throat> because the guy pointed a gun at these folks and locked them in the lavatory, locked them in the bathroom. And so there's a NOPD patrolman there on the left. Then the guy in the open collar shirt is a customer. The guy in the middle is the branch manager. And the lady is an employee at home finance there. So this is 1955 and yeah, they got robbed. And I don't know if you've ever been robbed, but it's not pretty. Back to the right hand side now. So we've got uh we you know we we we've got home finance on the left, <clears throat> excuse me, and we've got Petland on the right. Here's the zoom in basically of that bigger picture that I took and uh cropped it down a little bit to show that oriental roof. Now remember, oriental in this term is not Winston uses oriental, he refers to this as oriental architecture. Because it's not Chinese, it's not Vietnamese, it's not Mongolian. It's a white guy's idea of what a Chinese laundry or a Chinese building at this point would look like with the tiles and the curved corners and that kind of thing. So it's legit to call this oriental architecture in that in 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 that go 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 listen to or go talk to, to Winston East brilliant i gotta get him on the pod at some point but anyway okay so <clears throat> it's a pet shop it's definitely you know confirmed uh winston on his blog confirmed that this was an oriental laundry storefront so before it became Petland, you dropped your, your 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 sack of laundry off they brought it down to bourbon street they washed pressed washed pressed and folded your stuff and brought you back nice, clean laundry. Nice, clean clothes, I should say. Kind of jumping back and forth here a little bit, but uh, this is a, you know, this is a, a zoom out again, looking the other way. So you don't see Petland on the right-hand side, but you see the home finance service sign hanging out in front of 3028. The billboard is different now. In 52, you see it's a Falstaff billboard instead of the blue plate. Matter of fact, yeah, I'm looking at it. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's blue plate on the other side because I'm looking at that. Uh, God, I, I'm terrible at trying to read backwards. Y'all tell me if, I, if I'm accurate on that, but it looks like it might still be blue plate on the other side of the billboard, but this one absolutely is Falstaff, which is why Regal Beer was more than happy 
to provide co-op signs for Al Shorey's Cafe and Bar. And you'll see you've got the Regal beer sign hanging in front of the bar room. And then the big sign on the side of the bar room as well, where Regal Beer is the big sponsor. That was a very typical thing is that, you know, you'd have a bar room hook up with, with Falstaff or Dixie or Regal at this time. Spell Regal backwards and then go to Twitter or something and tell me what you get. You know, it's like that kind of thing. Just it's 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 cute. So we've got the bar room advertising for Regal. You've got the big billboard on top of what is now the finance uh, service company at 3028. And now we see as we keep going, we're going further out and we see the uh, ESSO, which is now Exxon, Standard Oil. So it's Gentilly ESSO next to the bar room and then next to the gas station, which we saw a little bit of the overhang looking in the other direction, is Go Days Drugs, which is interesting because, of course, you got the big K and B on the other side, but you still have diehard people that didn't want to go to Walgreens and didn't want to go to K and B. They 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 stuck with their local place, and well, you get the idea. Oh, and I mentioned meant to say, there's a billboard, of course, promoting Seagram Seven on top of the drugstore. Because again, you're driving into town in the morning, so these companies wanted to put their brands out in front of you. Here's a zoom in now on Al Shorey's Cafe and Bar. So you can see the big Regal beer sign on the side of the place, and then you can see the hanging sign in front of the place. And then it looks like a sandwich board with the lunch specials for today out front on the sidewalk. It's a one-story building, so it's different from 3028 in that there's no apartment on top. And, uh, well, there you go. It's, uh, there may have been, it's it's a pretty long building. There may have been, there may have been a residence, may have been a, an apartment in the back of the building because that's pretty big for a cafe, for a restaurant as it goes. The, the, the layout of this place is very typical of what you see in a lot of bar and grill type situations or cafe and bar here. If you ever go to Liuza's on Bienville, you kind of sort of see this same design in the sense that if you walk in from the corner, from the sidewalk at the corner of, uh, what is that, Bienville and Telemachus in Mid-City, you walk into the bar and then you walk through the bar and then you hit the restaurant and then one of the ladies will seat you. Or you can just come in the side door and go right to the same location and they'll hit you from there. And back in the day with smoking and you know cigars and chewing tobacco, those bar rooms could be kind of nasty and they can also be kind of raunchy in the sense that it's like, for example, um, when I was doing some digging, trying to find any kind of stories on the Shoreys or anything, I saw that they had applied for a permit for pinball machines in the 50s. And 
at the time, that's the old pinball machines that weren't bells and whistles and pinball wizard and Elton John and Playboy Bunnies and bells and whistles. It was the pinball machines that had just rows and rows and rows of holes where the ball would drop. And you know what those were? Basically, they were slot machines that didn't look like slot machines. You shot your five or your seven balls, and if they all hit in the right locations, the machine paid off, and that's why you had to have permits for it and everything else. Here's the side. Now, this is the original picture that you know started me on this rabbit hole. So this is a zoom in of the alley between the supply center and the bar room. And you'll see it says ladies entrance and it's another advertising co-op sign. And the idea here was if you went down the alleyway, you could go into a side door like what I was talking about at Liuzas and bypass the kind of roughness of the front of the store. Of the, of the bar. Let's go across the street. So now the photographer has his back to 3026, 3028, and 3030. He's got his back to those and he's looking, he's crossed over, he's at the sidewalk. Well, no, he hasn't crossed yet. That's Gentilly in between. And he's looking at the new strip mall in the 3000 block of Gentilly. And this is going to be uh, most likely in late 48 or 49. There was no date on this. But again, it's um, it's a Frank Studios uh, building architecture photo. And you'll see that the strip mall has been leased out. And there are four stores here in that strip mall. It's uh, a Walgreens on the corner. I don't care what you think about... Um, uh, I don't care what you think about um, what you would call it about K and B. If you're doing research on New Orleans, don't sleep on Walgreens. The chain has been here since 1938 when they opened the store at Canal and Barone. So it's just it's been around. Don't sleep on Walgreens. There's a lot of stories there. The next piece that's got the very dark sign that you can't read that's above the right hand side of that Jack's Beer billboard is a Morgan and Lindsay dime store. Next to that is a grocery store, capital store, supermarket. And then next to that is Maison Blanche Gentilly. Now, up until 1948, Maison Blanche had been on Canal Street since 1897. And they had planned to expand, but then got hit you know, all, all, all those stores got hit by the by the war in terms of a bit of a development speed bump. So their development had to wait until after the war. So MB expanded out in two locations. They opened the Carrollton store at uh, the corner of South Carrollton and Tulane, cat a corner from Pelican Park or Pelican Stadium where the New Orleans Pelicans minor league baseball team played. They also opened this store on Gentilly Boulevard as its second suburban location. Now, what happened over time, of course, was Metairie began to develop. So MB moved the Carrollton store 
out to Airline Highway, to Airline in Atherton in Airline Village. And that became the quote unquote main or the Mattery store until Clearview opened up. And uh, the Carrollton store became a budget store. This MB stayed there until the late, until the, yeah, I guess it was the late 50s when Gentilly Wood Shopping Center opened up. That was next to the Baptist Seminary, heading over toward Louisa Street on Gentilly, heading out where Gentilly becomes Old Gentilly Road and Shepenter Highway, but still Gentilly Boulevard at that point. So MB leases space in the Gentilly Woods Shopping Center and builds out a much bigger MB Gentilly Woods there. They keep this location, and like the Carrollton store, it becomes a budget store. So now the chain had three main stores, Canal, Airline, and Gentilly Woods, and three budget stores, the original budget annex behind the main store on Iberville, this store, and then the one on Carrollton and Tulane. Eventually, they close the store in Gentilly Woods and move it out to Reed and I-10, uh, or Reed and Lake Forest Boulevard, if you want to go with the other side, to the plaza in Lake Forest. And MB, along with Holmes, becomes one of the anchors of the big New Orleans East Mall. They don't do anything with the Gentilly. They just close the Gentilly Wood store because this one's there. Over time, the budget store closes, and this location becomes a Chuck E. Cheese. Gotta love it, right? Becomes a Chuck E. Cheese. Later, Chuck E. Cheese folds. <clears throat> and now that that location, that Maison Blanche, is an auto zone. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, the story of that strip mall. Go a little bit further down, just a block from there, to St. Anthony and Gentilly Boulevard, which is off, to, off the frame to the left, and you get the Gentilly branch of the New Orleans Public Library, which was, we always refer to it as the Norman Mayer branch because it was named for a philanthropist named Norman Mayer. And, oh man, we, yeah, it's relatively new at this point. And it was still there in the 70s and Brother Martin debate team would uh, periodically decamp here uh, when the school would throw us out for whatever reason, because it's like, oh, brothers were like, I want to go home. You know, that kind of thing. So, or on weekends, we'd come over here, that kind of thing. This building didn't survive Katrina. It was demolished, and there's a new building. And you got all the older folks, eh, it's just not the same. I, I, it's a library. It's, you know, they've got, they've got the facilities. It's good by me, that kind of thing. Across the street from the library, of course, is Mount Olivet Cemetery and Mausoleum which is one of the oldest black cemeteries in town. Uh, that's another one we'll do some stories on at some point because there's some crazy stories, you know, just about that. Back across the street now, and by the 1960s, Petland and the Oriental Laundry Building, the Oriental Laundry Building, Petland's gone, and the, the, the Oriental Building has been demolished. And in its place is this, they uh, built this two-story building, 
that uh, are, are built a two-story building, I should say. And Grunwald's music moved into that building. Now, Grunwald's, the, the, the family had two businesses, basically, two uh, uh, missions, if you want to, if you will, in New Orleans. They were the piano and instrument competitors, sheet music, instruments, and then big pianos and organs. They were the competition for Whirlines. And they had a store, and you can see it there, 325 Barone, basically down the street a little bit from the Grunwald Hotel, which was in the 200 block of Barone. And it started as the Grunwald Hotel. It later became the Roosevelt Hotel, then the Fairmont, and now it's back to being the Roosevelt again. Well, <clears throat> Grunwald's expanded out to Gentilly and opened up a smaller store selling, as you can see, records, selling 45s, Jazz 78s, uh, 78 RPM pops. That I that could mean either as pops as in popular music, like big band music and that kind of thing, or it could be Lewis. It could be Lewis Satchmo Armstrong, who used to call everybody Pops because his memory was so bad. Ah, you doing Pops. And it got to the point where they all flipped it on him and they all started calling him Pops. But I think it's popular music, but in quotes like that, it's interesting. So they sold records. They had a few pianos in the place. It wasn't a very, you know, it wasn't a very big location. So the idea would be to try to hook people and talk them into going into town to actually buy the big instruments but you'd promote the heck out of it and get them to try to go to the bigger store. Grunwald leased the building initially, and this is what the building looked like. So the Oriental Laundry Building was demolished. This two-story building replaced it. Grunwald's originally moved in here, and that was all the stuff on the ad. Grunwald's eventually sold out or merged with Whirlines. If you know the story there, ping me. I don't know the background. I'm, I, it's, I, it's on my list of many topics to go look up. But if anybody knows a good story about it, I well, that moves things up on the list, right? So anyway, they opened it as Grunwald's. It became Whirlines. Whirlines closed the location in the late 50s. And it became this place called Educational Gateways. Now, this is a two-story building. You can see they did, you know, art, speech, dramatics, remedial and speed reading. They had music lessons and dancing lessons. You had a whole bunch of space here. <clears throat> and basically, it was a learning center, a tutoring center for all of those different subjects over the two-story building. By the 80s, Educational Gateways was gone and out of business, and a business in, uh, opened up uh, in the 80s. That Here's an ad from 84 for the African Boutique. Now, the neighborhood in particular, the local businesses, now remember, by the 80s, um, this part of Gentilly 
is bypassed in favor of I-610. So it becomes much more neighborhood focused. And at this time, that becomes Black-owned businesses, hence the African boutique at 3028. So the original appliance center, later the financial services, becomes a, a place called the African boutique. Here's 3028 now. This is straight off of Google last over the weekend. It's a medical services company of some kind. And there's also some kind of medical business in what was the music store and the educational gateways on the other side. I can't quite see. Uh, let me see if I can see what it looks like. The uh, the Al Shari's bar is a check cashing place. So that's going to be more of a true payday loan check cashing place in the neighborhood now. Well, that runs us from 1950, 1948 up to 2023 for this block of Gentilly, uh, of, uh, Gentilly Boulevard. This was fun because it's just crazy. Like I said, I look at that first picture. <clears throat> I see what looks like an Oriental Laundry Branch. And I think I've got something to show Winston. Turns out he knew about it around. It's no surprise because... We all take our passions and troll every photo we can find. So naturally, he knew about it as well. But it was still fun to run down this and go from there. So that's the neighborhood. That's kind of this area. It's still a big deal. The um, The stores have changed, obviously. It's an auto zone instead of an MB or a Chuck E. Cheese. You know, there's a Burger Orleans across the street. Uh, you know, different things now are, you know, are in these places, but it's still a retail commercial area for the Gentilly neighborhood. A bit of a shame, a bit of a plug on this next one. Uh, when I set this up, you know, you, you take a, you take a, 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 a presentation you've already done, you do a file save as, and you delete out all the stuff. And I got to the <clears throat> the end of another presentation. And I had this slide in there promoting uh, a Facebook, my Facebook group called New Orleans during the Civil War. And um, I don't have a lot of time for the lost cause, you know, and any kind of any of that nonsense. So I made a group that is New Orleans during the Civil War, because I've been doing some research on the the independent year, basically, where Louisiana seceded from the Union in 1861, but then Farragut and Butler don't come in until late April, May of 1862. As a matter of fact, that is a Harper's woodcut of Farragut's officers marching or walking down the street to City Hall, which is Gallier Hall now, to compel the surrender of the city government. Uh, it's, like I said, just put in New Orleans during the Civil War into Facebook. It's not your it's not your average Civil War group. It's talking about New Orleans, which means it doesn't, I don't even, we don't even talk about Port Allen. We talk about New Orleans and Reconstruction, and we've kind of stretched it up to the beginning of the monuments, like 1910, 1915. So that's kind of the area here. We really don't get into 
the rebel period, except for the just that. Well, there was no rebel period in New Orleans. That's really the point. Is you had the one year where the city, the state seceded, and after that they they surrendered, and that was it. So it's a little bit different approach. I post a bit, Derby post a bit, other people post a bit. It's kind of fun. Come over and check it out. Be my guest. A word from your sponsor. These are my first five books. Brothers of the Sacred Heart in New Orleans covers St. Aloysius on uh, Esplanade North Rampart. Corrier Zoo on Elysian Fields starting in 1954. Then the two schools merged together. Basically, the, the, the two Aloysius and Corrier Zoo closed in the spring of 69 and reopened as Brother Martin High School on Elysian Fields in 70. And we've been 53 years on, you know, with my high school now. So that's that's that book. The middle book on top, New Orleans Canal Streetcar Line, was the first book I wrote for Arcadia in 2004. The marketing there, or the pitch, of course, was the streetcar was coming back that May. So I wrote a book that runs down the history of the streetcar line from 1861 up till uh, when uh, up till its discontinuance in 64 and then the bus uh the you know the, the the bus period and then the reopening that year you know the test runs and the uh formal opening of the line man it's 20 it's going to be 20 years next year I, i'm still thinking about what we're going to do to to mark 20 years of the red streetcars on canal now it's going to be kind of fun maison blanche department stores back in the day i uh was the history blogger for gonola.com, Twitter, gonola504, and at gonola504. And I wrote a history column once a week. It was fun, little little short things, anywhere 300, 700 words. It's a lot of fun, right? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, shout out to uh, Mark Romig, Brother Martin, class of 74, and whenever the heck you graduated from UNO after that, which I think you're on the four-year plans anyway. Mark was the president of the Greater New Orleans Tourism and Marketing Corporation, which ran the website that I wrote for. And now he is vice president of uh, GNO Inc., Greater New Orleans Incorporated, and still runs that side of the business where the CVB is the other side of GNO Inc. So, hey, Mark, thank you for all of that, all that fun stuff and opportunity. So, one of the things I wrote back in the day was a Christmas column about Maison Blanche's most iconic thing, the little snow elf guy, right? So I wrote, you know, wrote uh, a, a piece on Mr. Bingle. One of the editors at Arcadia just sent me back the whole column and said, this, my friend, is your next book. Why this? Because department store books make money. Thumbs up. Let's do it. Well, we had some fun. Yeah, it's fun. I worked at, at MB Clearview. One of these days I'm going to get, I'm going to sit Derby down because Derby was a buyer for Maison Blanche back in the day. It's one of the many things he's done in his career and lifetime. Uh, on the bottom left there, I originally pitched. This is when uh, HBO was uh, still uh, running uh, the TV show Treme. And we knew that Simon was going to, you know, have just that last season four. So I pitched my my acquisitions editor on a book that I wanted to call Faubourg Treme. And they came back and he said, you know, isn't Treme 
the birthplace of jazz. And I said, sort of, you know, there's, you know, it's one of them, if you will. And all he comes back and says, how about we expand the scope of the book and do New Orleans jazz? And boy, you talk about put fear into me because I don't play. But writing the stories and getting the pictures of these cats, it was just so much fun. You know, so New Orleans jazz, there's that book. And then the fifth book over in the other side, Legendary Locals of New Orleans. If you're not, if you're free on Tuesday, on Tuesday night, the 19th, I'll promote this a little more online. Uh, Derby Gisclair is speaking about Mel Ott and Mel Ott, the baseball player. And it was funny because I did the Legendary Locals book and I actually got a hate mail letter from a person who vehemently disagreed with Mel Ott being in the New Orleans book because he was born and raised in Gretna. And don't even start me on that, but you get the idea. So basically the book though, if uh, I always tell librarians, you want to keep a copy or two of my book in your library because it's like a who's who kind of thing. It's like got, it's got 200 photos and little bios of, legendary locals from the city and uh the the thing there is you know it's like i tell the librarians when the student comes in and says i need to do a project for history throw them this book said pick somebody you like and write about them and you know it's a good start you can start digging up other references you see a dutch on there and uh a gus and austin leslie yeah wendell down at the bottom uh, on the bottom there too you know, so it was, it, it was fun, right? You know, coming in. My most recent book, which is getting a little long in the tooth now, in uh, uh, 2016, the History Press came to me and asked, would I be interested in doing a book on Krauss Department Store? Because the next year when we would drop the book, 2017, was 20 years since the store closed. And I was like, heck yes, I will do this. And that became Krauss, the New Orleans Values Store. As we said, I am the NOLA History Guy. I'm Ed. NOLAHistoryGuy.com is the website. You can get to my email, get to all of the different places. If you're on, if you're on, uh, if you're on social media, just every, you know, Twitter, Facebook, you name it, I'm easily had. Don't Facebook Messenger me. I don't use it. I get way too much spam and hacking attacks and every it's nasty on there. So it's like, shoot me a note or ping me on Twitter or, you know, the artist formerly known as Twitter or basically send me an email. I'll be glad to talk to you about, you know, whatever you've got going on. Um, This template that I just love, I've been using for years now. It's kind of this old manuscript looking thing uh, was developed by a, uh, Kelly Loves Wales and Nick Merritt, they released the template into for it was actually for uh, LibreOffice, but we're obviously important. You know, it's all exchangeable with PowerPoint as well. They released this template in uh, under a Creative Commons attribute share alike license, so I can use it without having to pay royalties. And I'm more than happy to promote them and suggest you go look, go Google these folks and go look at some of the stuff they've made and you can make some really wonderful things out of it. Okay. So what we've done, what we're doing here, of course, is I'm recording this with zoom. So it's going to make a, uh, a video file that will drop on YouTube 
And then I'll put that on the show page so you can click and and watch this, uh, look at it, uh, or uh, you know do it that way. Or uh, of course, Zoom also saves an audio file of the presentation, and I'm gonna pull that into Audacity and turn that into the the podcast that you all know and hopefully love and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, we'll be doing something else. Uh, I'm gonna uh, this this whole Zoom thing is working out. There's a number of talks that I've given over time that I have the PowerPoints for, but the talk itself on video didn't really work out as well. It's like, I, like for example, I did a Krauss talk at the World War II Museum, and the audio is great. You know, it's like as a as a as a talk, it's not bad, but the presentation is recorded off at an angle, and sometimes you don't see all the stuff. So I think if I pull that back up and do it here as a zoom where you guys can see, you can see the, the, the slides properly, see the images properly. So we'll be doing more of that as we go along. And then as I fall down rabbit holes, there'll be new stuff as well. Uh, this will drop tomorrow, Saturday, the 16th. I hope you enjoy it. If you have any comments, feel free to go out to the website, drop them there, shoot me an email, whatever you got, especially if you can tell me stories, tell me stories, come find me. I go almost every day of the darn week to the PJ's coffee on canal Boulevard by the, uh, by the train tracks. Come see uh, there. Come. You can interrupt me anytime. You know, I got my big old headphones on. Just come say hi. No problem at all. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this and uh, we will see you next time.